is she? Shana, the Jungle Queen. Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and on this episode of Shana Showcase, a podcast in which I recap and comment on the adventures of Marvel Comics' greatest Jungle Queen, Shanna the She-Devil, I'm going to be taking a look at an uncollected, oddball, one-off story from a book called Wolverine Global Jeopardy, cover dated December 1993. This was a book Marvel produced in cooperation with the World Wildlife Fund, meaning that the 16-page story featuring Wolverine, Namor, Kazar, and Shanna was intercut with 16 wildlife profile pages. So every other page we get a a photo and a write-up on harp seals, giant pandas, orchids, orangutans, among others. And while the information is good, it does ultimately make for a pretty stuttering reading experience. The Marvel World Wildlife Fund co-production also meant, as stated in the Indicia, that Marvel paid a 10% of the cover price royalty to the Wildlife Fund, though I kind of question Marvel's business practice as the cover price for this book seems to be marked up quite a bit. It's $2.95. Sure, it makes a lot of sense to slap Wolverine on the cover of this book. He was then unquestionably Marvel's greatest seller appearing in his own title, but also in X-Men, Marvel Comics Presents, Charleston Chew, and Pizza Hut Comics. The guy was all over the place. But considering his own book at the time was selling for $1.75, and co-star Namor's title was going for $1.25, a $3 price point, even with 10% going to a great cause, even with a cardstock embossed cover with a metallic ink, for a 16-page comic story... It kind of smells, and I wonder how many of these things actually sold, but what am I complaining about? I picked this up for 50 cents last year at a huge discount sale. How's the story? Let's move on to the important stuff. The story is called The Heart of Animals. It was written by Peter David, penciled and colored by Richard Howell, inked by Bill Anderson, lettered by Steve Dutro. Wildlife photographs were by Jerry Ellis, and it's edited by Glenn Hurdling. We open up in a Montana forest. Wolverine is there in full costume, skulking around, investigating reports of animal disappearances. Seems a little out of his typical jurisdiction, but let's just go with it. He sees a curious and hungry grizzly bear approaching a family's campsite, rummaging through some trash the family carelessly left scattered around. When the father of the family pulls out a rifle... Wolverine uses his claws to slash through a tree, felling it between the bear and the campers, whom Wolvie sternly lectures, rattling off grisly facts like their weight and speed. But just then, to Wolverine's amazement, the bear disappears before their very eyes. In the distant Mediterranean Sea, Namor, Prince of Atlantis, monologues on his favorite subject, the nauseating humans, and how they pollute the oceans. Though he does have some hopeful prospects for his habitat, saying the Earth will recover, but not before humanity has wiped itself off the face of the planet. He swims into a trio of monk seals, whom he offers to lead to cleaner waters, but Namor is shocked to see them, like the bear in Montana, vanish. This page is facing the wildlife bio the harp seal, accompanied by a photo of a a baby, and that might be one of the cutest things I've ever seen. This image will definitely be making its way 
to the blog. At a huge African estate, Kazar and Shanna sit on the veranda, obviously vacationing from their Savage Land home. They're sipping umbrella cocktails. Shanna's reading some Camus. But their leisure time is interrupted by nearby gunshots. The pair sprint through the jungle and find a couple of poachers with a rhino in their crosshairs. Well, Shanna, at least, eats poachers like this for breakfast, and true to form, they make short work of the hunters, Kazar throwing a shoulder into one's back while Shanna karate chops the neck of another. When the rescued rhino performs a now familiar disappearing act, Kazar suggests Shanna reach out to her friend Dr. Coral Mollison of that, quote, organization that monitors illegal wildlife trade, which all seems like too specific a set of information to be fictional, yet a cursory search couldn't confirm the actual existence of Dr. Mollison. But when they do reach out to said doctor, Shanna and Kazar are given a third-person eyewitness report of a small Pacific island and the several endangered species from the world over seen there. The pair, along with Zabu the saber-toothed tiger, make their way to the island to check things out. And they're shocked to find Wolverine already there. He'd used some X-Men technology to track the residual radiation of the vanished animals to the island. Despite all having met one another on many occasions, there's some suspicion in the group. Kazar even demanding proof from Wolverine that he isn't responsible for the animal hostages on the island. Things get even worse when Namor shows up. He learned about the location of the island from some ocean animals. He uses something that, to him, passes for logic and assumes that these three humans, quote, renowned for their hunting prowess, have detained animals here for pure sport. Wolverine takes offense at Namor's imperious tone, and lashes out. Namor smashes a rock, a piece of which hits Shanna in the head, knocking her out, which is lame. This causes Kazar and Zabu to leap into the fray, and there's this funny half-page panel of the, the big brouhaha with colorful birds flying overhead and a random platypus underfoot. Richard Howell all along since the heroes reached the island, has snuck at least one creature in each panel. But the platypus in this one better watch out, because he might get squished by Namor's big winged foot. That doesn't happen, though, as the tussle is interrupted by a man right from comics' despot central casting. Bad white hairstyle, gaudy purple and blue tunic and leotard number, fingerless leather gloves, and a cape fastened with a chain and a huge medallion, calling himself... The Conservator. The Conservator claims responsibility for bringing the animals to the island he calls Castillo. And he escorts the group, including a now-revived Shanna, to his jungle fortress, in which he's packed even more animals. The Conservator claims he stood too long idly by watching humanity destroying its environment and its neighbors in nature. Frustrated with current law and the pace of the environmentalist movement, Conservator decided to create his own new Eden, providing a safe haven for creatures on the verge of extinction. Unfortunately for our group of heroes, the Conservator's plans do not include them, and with the touch of a button, the group is trapped in four separate energy prisons. Zabu, in his own prison, lets out a growl 
while the others try to convince the conservator of his insanity. Wolverine tells him that despite his intentions, he's going about this the wrong way. And the conservator retorts, I hear no complaints from the animals. But he may have spoken too soon as a giant reptilian eye peers through a portal and then... Boom! With a gronk, a giant red T-Rex smashes through the wall. And the conservator claims, What the devil? Which is Peter David's subtle confirmation that this is Jack Kirby's devil dinosaur. Senza moon boy. Devil dinosaur swats the conservator away with his giant tail and trashes the electronic equipment in the room with its huge rear claw. And then immediately stomps through another wall and continues on his way, a completely oblivious force of nature. The destruction of the equipment freed the heroes, and Wolverine is compelled to comment that they're free, thanks to that devilish dinosaur, which is strange as another subtle hint at their savior's identity, but there was nothing subtle about what just happened. It's actually one of the more comical deus ex machinas that I think I've ever read. Kazar, who claims that the dinosaur was summoned by Zabu's Groff, and Shanna, who jokingly thanks the heavens that Zabu is multilingual, check in with a humiliated conservator. Shanna, ever the voice of reason in this crazy world, convinces the conservator to take a hard look at himself and what he's done, and to look to herself as an example of someone who fights the good fight for conservation and animal rights in the real world, not some insular, quote, monument to the conservator's own ego. Well, Shanna's firm tongue lashing must have gotten through to him because we next see the conservator speaking from a podium emblazoned with the World Wildlife Fund logo, opening up his island of Castillo and founding a new wildlife preserve resort, welcoming the public to coexist with nature as opposed to ravaging it. Sometime later in Africa, on Kazar and Shanna's estate, the pair with guests Wolverine and Namor and Zebu stroll through the jungle when Wolverine picks up the scent of a safari. Fearing another poaching expedition, the group leaps into action, Shanna in the lead. As they approach, they hear some troubling dialogue. I got him in my sights, and hurry, shoot, shoot. But when they reach a clearing, they find nothing but a couple of videographers capturing the scene of a lioness and her cubs having a drink at a stream. Zabu lets out a final groff. Namor mugs for their hour camera, and Wolverine gets the last laugh, saying, Get the picture? Cue sad trombone. Very lighthearted ending there. In fact, uh, throughout, I don't think with some of the dialogue and situations that Peter David expected us to take things too seriously, despite the serious issues brought up and the occasional wildlife info dump. There's no real attention paid to any sort of continuity. The characterization of our cast here was, I'd say, pretty spot on. Obviously, Namor and Shanna's connection to animal environmental causes in the past made them naturals for this one-shot. And I've already mentioned that Wolverine's presence was, I think, due to his drawing power. But I can't help thinking with this story's group of heroes drawn to an exotic locale to investigate a mystery, plus the presence of Shanna and Namor, 
I can't help but think of the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends episode, The Seven Little Superheroes, in which the chameleon took on, in some tropical climate, seven superheroes, including Captain America, Doctor Strange, Shanna, Namor, and of course, Spidey, Iceman, and Firestar. And I may have mentioned long ago that that shows where I first encountered our Jungle Queen. From the perspective of this podcast, overall, I like Shanna's role in this story. It's it's a darn shame she got knocked out of the uh, traditional fight of misunderstanding at the beginning. I think she was felled a little too easily by a stray pebble, but it was her reasoning and convincing at the end of the story which initiated the conservators' turnaround, so that was satisfying to see as a as Shanna fan. I like Richard Howell and Bill Anderson's depiction. Lately, come around on Richard Howell's art. I think I first encountered it in All Star Squadron, and it didn't do anything for me. Uh, but his work here, and on things like Johnny Quest for Comico, and some things he did for Eclipse, uh, kind of liked quite a bit. I'm interested in picking up his Porsche Prince of the Glamazons if I ever see it, as well as his work on the '80s Hawkman series. I'll put up some of these Richard Howell, Bill Anderson images, plus at least. Uh, at least that adorable harp seal photo on the show's blog, imthegun.blogspot.com. There you will also find some contact info should you want to talk more Shanna or Wolverine promotional comics. I think now would be a good time to catch up on some thank yous to folks who helped share likes and retweets of the last two episodes of my podcast feed, my 4th of July episode featuring an old DC Comics Tomahawk story. And my recent Legion of Three Brainiacs episode. So, big thanks to Brian Mulvey, Bring Back LSH on Twitter, Cash Flag, Chris from Bat Books for Beginners, Chris from Myth Making, etc., Chris Sheehan, the blog Chris's on Infinite Earths, Frank Porvoyer, Gregor Rougeau, Javon Dandridge, Joe Crawford, Justice's First Dawn. Carl Disley, Loy Turns, Luis A. Sanchez Jr., Matches Balone, Michael Shu, Reggie of the Cosmic Treadmill Podcast, Darren and Ruth Sutherland of the Rad Network of Wonderful Podcasts. I got a nice email from Darren following the Tomahawk episode. He wrote, I thoroughly enjoyed your special 4th of July episode. You have a Great ability to find and celebrate obscured, forgotten treasures, and this was a perfect example. Thanks, as always, for a terrific show. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Darren, as far as my goal for the show, celebrating the obscure and forgotten comics treasures, is what I like to do. I really appreciate the message and the encouragement. Okay, that's it. Uh, I've taken enough of your time. Thank you for listening, and until next episode, see you on the Savannah. (laughs) 